Mindfulness Mode, Episode 25. If you're not able to have a good relationship with yourself and to allow yourself and your mind to be quiet on a regular basis, it's going to manifest itself in trouble outside of that arena. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining me here on Mindfulness Mode. Want to get focused in your life? Lose your anxiety? Find your own calm? As a gesture of appreciation for being on my podcast, I'm offering 15-minute Get Focused Now coaching calls to the first five people who message me. Email me at bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and put Get Focused Now in the subject line. Talk to you then. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Bryce Prescott on the line with me today. Hey, Bryce, are you in mindfulness mode? 100% own. <laughs> Great. Bryce Prescott studied finance at Brigham Young University and has a keen interest in business. In fact, He's an entrepreneur and business consultant with several successful business endeavors under his belt. Bryce helps business people take their businesses, their health, and their lives in general to a higher level of success. Bryce also has a podcast called Rules of Success, which has spawned a companion program called Apply the Science, which focuses on the principles of the book, The Science of Getting Rich. Bryce, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Tell us more about uh, what makes you tick. Well, first of all, Bruce, I wanted to say thank you for uh, allowing me to come on your show and to speak to your listeners and to share this conversation with you. I'm I'm quite honored, and what you're doing is is really important uh, for everyone. You know, one of the things that that helped me in my life to make a difference was understanding the need to be present and mindful and incorporating, you know, practices such as meditation into my daily activity. And so I just wanted to give you some kudos to that, that, uh, what you're doing is great. I really appreciate your uh, willingness to have me come on your show. Thank you. Thanks for saying that, Bryce. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, as far as the filling in the blanks with what you had shared there with, uh, my introduction, um, you, you did pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty much just a hundred percent entrepreneur. Every time, uh, I see a new opportunity. I try to go out and seize it. If it's something that feels like it's in my wheelhouse, I my, my biggest successes when it comes to business have been in uh, real estate in 2008, uh, when the real estate market was crashing and everybody was running for the Hills when it came to the, the collapse, uh, myself and a partner decided to, to run up the Hill instead of down it. And we actually were able to develop relationships with banks and, and, uh, service providers and were able to buy a lot of bad debt and post foreclosed homes off of them, put them back into the market in a, in a, in a better leverage position and, and do quite well in, in that market for several years. Um, 2011 came and, and we'd been very successful. We'd made a huge dent in the market. We'd done quite well for ourselves and, and out of pride, really, we kind of became dinosaurs in the market. The laws changed on how banks were required to to handle their bad assets. And, and we just kind of withered on the vine. And that left me in a really interesting spot because I had to take this Rolodex full of uh, clients and, and uh, opportunities and try to turn it into something else. And I tried my hand at agricultural commodities for a season. I, I've done some consulting over the years. And, and about a year ago, I, I got into podcasting and started Rules of Success. So 
it's been kind of a fun journey. The, the whole, the whole time though, I've recognized it, uh, it's really important to stay centered. And so I'm excited for our conversation. Right. So when did you become interested in mindfulness and when did you start applying those rules to your life? Well, that's quite a, that's kind of a loaded question because it's, it's always been something that, uh, has been kind of important to me. And, and what I mean by that is I, I grew up, uh, in a pretty religious home and, uh, we won't talk about religion, but what I will say is that a part of that was this, this intended, uh, basically weekly basis where I would, I would, you know, through study and, and different things, we would, uh, get still, we would ponder, we would pray, we would, we would allow our minds to be quiet. And, uh, that evolved over the years into some, some great practices that ended up helping my life. When I want, I want decided I wanted to take it to a, another level. And I started looking into what benefits come from, you know, where, where your brain waves are at and what state you're in and how that affects creativity or sleep or, or rest or different things. And I, I bought this, uh, this program by a guy named what was it? Bill Harris was his name. He he had this program called the Holosync program, and basically, I, I might be butchering that name. It's been over ten years, but it was this really kind of deep um, binaural uh, deal that you'd listen to in the quiet, and it would kind of help you to become more present. Mm-hmm. And I did that whole program, and I started realizing that I was experiencing heightened levels of success in my business when I would take the time to allow that to kind of do its work. And fast forward a couple years from there, I'm, I'm at an event in uh, Denver, Colorado for a, a seminar company called Peak Potentials. It's, it's the, the seminar arm of the book, The Science, excuse me, The, the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. Right. And they had uh, this part of the program where um, they were showing these guided meditation tracks and in the audience you'd sit there and, and it was kind of a group meditation, but you'd listen to these different things that were specific to health and to fitness and to, to your bot, to, um, your success for your, the way you look at money, the way you look at relationships. And there was all these different, uh, kind of guided, uh, tours, if you will, through the, the corners of the mind. And I, I was really really transfixed on what that experience was because I would find myself in this intense relaxation. I would feel more peaceful than I ever had before. And I would feel clarity going forward for whatever it was I was doing after that. Well, fast forward even a couple more years, and this was just a few, about a year and a half ago, I stumbled across uh, this meditation series that Deepak Chopra had started doing out of, if you go to choprameditation.com, they've got this whole they don't do it just as a guided meditation on a singular basis. They do an actual program where it's 21 days and there's a specific tone for each, each day. And I started doing those programs and they just started to metaphorically speaking, kick off the cobwebs in my mind and really allowed me to, to see things in a different way. So, so mindfulness to me is incredibly important. The, the busyness of life is too much, is too hard to deal with if you're not able to get quiet on a regular basis within the walls of your own head. Well, it's really interesting because I know T. Harv Ecker has really, really helped a lot of people and influenced a lot of people with what he's done. And I'm sure you've probably then heard him live, have you? Of course, yeah, several times. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I know he's from Canada. I have never had the opportunity to hear him live, but I have a lot of friends who have, and they say he's fantastic. You know, for me, mindfulness 
it's the first layer of the foundation, it seems, in any sort of achievement that anybody really would want to to achieve. If and and, and I guess I should I should clarify. Mindfulness to me is presence. It's quiet of the mind. It's it's when you're able to know exactly where you're at in any given moment because you're you're aware. You're you're still in that moment. That that's what I define as mindfulness. And so when I apply that definition to the to foundationally any any way to the things I'm trying to achieve in life or what I want to do or just on a day to day basis just living. It's one of the most important things ever because it, it sets the stage for an understanding that makes stress easier to deal with, that makes health problems easier to overcome, that makes financial stresses and challenges more relevant and, and uh, more easy to overcome. I mean, there's just so much, such a benefit for mindfulness. I, I can't stress it enough. That's why I like your show so much is because you're, I mean, you're, doing, you're doing incredible work getting that out there. Well, that's my opinion is that we need to get it out there to the mainstream to say, hey, you know, listen, here are all kinds of ordinary people in different kinds of jobs and doing different kinds of things. And they're all using mindfulness of one form or another. And I think the mainstream world really needs to become familiar with that so that we can all jump on board and start using mindfulness. I agree 100 percent. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about how mindfulness has really had a positive effect on your life. Can you tell us any challenges you've had with mindfulness? Has it ever been something that you you kind of thought, oh, gee, this is driving me crazy, or it's a challenge? Or tell us about those parts of mindfulness. Sure. Well, well, even you know, even in the in my recent experiences of doing these meditation uh, programs with Deepak Chopra and and uh, other. I use a, a a meditation app on my phone called Calm that does some guided stuff there. Even with all, all that, though, I've, I've recognized that sometimes it feels like there's even somewhat of a callus in my mind that to be able to relax and to be mindful and to get my mind to stop yapping at me, it, it takes an extra level of relaxation. And it, it's it's I don't think that the journey to mindfulness is one that we ever arrive at a at a true destination other than the destination is what today is for our mindfulness. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I, I don't think that for, I've never felt that I arrived that, Oh, now I'm present. Now I'm clear. Now it's all good. Like I, I, I know the answers to all the questions. I've never arrived at that moment, but I've had glimpses where I felt like I know enough of that picture, if you will, to where I'm okay with it. And those have come through, through meditation and mindfulness. And so the challenges are that it, it it kind of inherently comes as a challenge anyway. Like being able to 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 be okay with it. I I know when I first started, and even my my lovely wife has shared this frustration back when she was at the beginning of it as well. That so you're telling me I'm just going to sit there? <laughs> I'm just supposed to sit there and do nothing, and that that's going to make me better. Like that's going to help me. Like right. <laughs> and 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 just you know the. I, I heard it described one time that, you know, a, an untrained mind is like a, it's like a toddler. It just kind of runs around, wreaks havoc, <laughs> doesn't really do much good for you. It causes a bunch of trouble. And when you learn to tame it, it takes time. Like you've got to keep at it. Right. And uh, so for me, the struggles have to do with, with that, with just being okay with not having this earth shattering experience every time I meditate, but just doing, putting myself in that position to experience at least something even if it isn't what I would hope it had been, it's something and, you know, then coming back to it day after day. 
Right. Mindful tribe. I hope you've really, really listened to what Bryce has said about this because I get a lot of questions and requests to explain mindfulness. And really, it is a practice. It is. That's why we call it the practice of mindfulness because we're all practicing and moving forward, hopefully, but we're all practicing it. So one of the key parts is not beating up ourself over it and thinking, well, I'm not doing it right. Because in my opinion, there's really no right or wrong. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you're at the beach and, and uh, you're, you're digging through the sand and all of a sudden it, the sand starts to get damp. Like to me, that's kind of the process of, of meditation is it doesn't matter how I dig. It just, I got to keep digging. And at a certain point, it's going to get to wet sand. And that's what I'm going for. So there's certain things I've got to do. I've got to put myself in a position to be quiet. I've got to allow, you know, through breathing and through different things, I've got to maximize the opportunity to allow my mind and my body to relax and be quiet. But other than that, just kind of go with the flow and be okay with it. Yeah, Bryce, I really like that analogy. That's excellent. Bryce, uh, I'm interested in your career as a business consultant, and I know that can be really rewarding, and that sometimes it can be kind of challenging. What do you do if you are consulting and you're dealing with a particularly challenging client? How do you use mindfulness to work your way through that? Well, that's a, that's a really great question, and, and the, the answer to it is, is not what you might think. I actually address all that stuff up front when it comes to the the work that I do one on one with people the 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 different mentees that I've had and in, in clients. Usually, I've found that when people are in a position where they they're looking for change, especially in a business setting, most of the time they don't know exactly what the problem is. They they know they know the symptoms they don't like, but they don't they they haven't been able to pinpoint the problem. Or if they do know what the problem is, they don't know how to fix it, and so. Coming at it from a, a space of a metaphysical approach. And what I mean by that is that it, it's outside of your head. It's this thing that you can't quantify. It's, you know, this, this energetic exchange that happens to us uh, in this friendly place we call the universe that a lot of times, well, every time, the results we get are directly uh, correlated to how we are showing up for ourselves energetically and for others. So the way that I deal with clients like that is by setting the stage up front. You know, one of the one of the things that uh, was important for me when I even started my own podcast, Rules of Success, was taking a scientific approach towards living a balanced life. And there's there's four areas that if I firmly believe this as a truth, that if you focus on them with intent and you handle them on a daily basis, it is impossible to have a bad life. You actually will – you can't not succeed. And those four areas are your body – your health and fitness, how you treat it, what you eat, the way that you show up for yourself, your relationships, um, friends, family, relatives, yourself. How, how is it that you are in those relationships? And are those relationships causing drama or do they bring support to your life? The third one would be your being, your spiritual pursuits. I would put meditation and mindfulness in this category, that, that if you're not able to have a good relationship with yourself and to allow yourself and your mind to be quiet on a regular basis, it's going to manifest itself in trouble outside of that arena. And it's in inevitable. If, if you're unclear, even though clarity is never the de destination, it's just the way to the destination. If you're not clear of where you're going, it's going to show up that way. And then the fourth thing is, is your business pursuits. And so when somebody comes to me for business consulting and wants to talk about that, 
I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the other stuff first, because we're going to find that the, the solutions are already glaring you in the face. You just aren't willing to accept it. And by doing that, we put some practices that allow them to emotionally connect to a solution so that it makes it easier for the action that's necessary to do it. Hmm, very interesting. And I know for myself, you know, I, I've certainly identified a long time ago about those four pillars that you talked about, but it's really a challenge to keep them balanced. You know, for a while I'm working sure. on exercising and my body and making sure I'm fit. And then I think, well, geez, I better start focusing more on my business. And then the body part of it starts to take a back seat. Do you think that's normal for almost everyone? Absolutely. And and that what what I just heard you describe, that's where the real work happens. Because, you know, being aware of that is the first step. Like if you're not aware that I'm spending too much time in this area and it's it's there's it's creating a deficit in this other area, then there's no need for change. And so some schmuck coming up to you and saying, Hey, you need to do this, it's not gonna make a lick of difference to you because mm-hmm. you're not gonna you're not gonna connect those two things. But if you're if you're aware that uh that's happening. It, it, that's the first step to create change, to use Harv Ecker's words. I had a mentor at one time that used to always say to me when I would get a little bit down and, and I would want to make more money or my body was out of shape or whatever. And, uh, you know, he would say, you know, so he, he would cross those pillars. So I would be, you know, expressing frustration about something going on in my business. And he goes, you really want to change that? And I said, yeah. And he goes, go home, play with your kids. I go, wait, what? That's those. No, that's, those aren't connected. He's like, no, absolutely. He's like, there is bandwidth. Everybody has bandwidth of what they are able to use to handle life. And when you're not being a good dad or you're out of shape or you're not connected spiritually to yourself and those around you, that takes up bandwidth for other areas. And so by addressing those things in a scientific way, you actually free up creative and emotional, psychological bandwidth to really succeed. And by golly, he was right. I mean, when I started... One of the things that we used to do as a as a part of my my business when this was back in 2008, we had a a morning call every weekday where for 20 minutes we would listen to a chapter or two of the book The Science of Getting Rich, and then we would have about a 15 to 20 minute uh, kind of discussion about it afterwards. What things were poignant, what things weren't, how can we apply what we learned in today's deal, and it was. It was something that allowed us to get outside of ourselves, outside of our business, outside of kind of the stresses of the day and focus on the, the inner game, what was going on inside, and then set the stage for a successful day. And I, I attribute uh, a lot of the successes that we experienced to you know the camaraderie and the intention that that focus gave to us. And it people, people are scared to there, – there's been this dance, you know. When I, re- I remember when Rhonda Burns' The Secret came out. It was this big disruptor in the market, and it was all about the law of attraction, and everybody's like, oh, now I can sit here Indian style, and a bag of money's going to fall on my head just because I'm thinking about bringing it into my life. Well, that's obviously not how it works. There's a portion of that that's a, that's a key part of it. That's not the entire story. Then there started to become a disdain in the market that the law of attraction was garbage and that you had to go out and do the work and there's all these people yelling on Facebook and everything happening about you got to get out and do it, do it, do it. And then people were overlooking the actual need to have the inner game at peace and know where you want to go and that your thoughts are actual creative forces. And right now it's this beautiful marriage between the two where we're seeing that 
both sides are completely necessary. And that's one of the reasons why I love the book, The Science of Getting Rich, so much is because it it's the perfect dance. It talks about what you got to do inside your head and then go do something. And it's it's great. Yeah, it is a great book. I want to talk about discipline a little bit. Uh, Mindful Tribe, you know, it's it's challenging sometimes to have the discipline that you need to practice mindfulness. But I'm just interested, Bryce, in your comments about, like, how do we do that? How do we put the discipline in place that we need in order to keep practicing mindfulness on a on a regular basis? I, I guess I can only answer for myself. And, and the, the answer that I would have to that question, Bruce, would be, Find a way to have somebody or something outside of yourself be who you're accountable to. And all of a sudden, the discipline needed changes when you know you've got to report to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And whether that's a coach or a mentor, whether that's a spouse or a friend, However, it, it, it shakes down some sort of accountability partner really, really helps that. You know, it, it's funny that you asked that this week. I uh, One of the things that's really important to me and has been for the last several years, I had a pretty bad run in with my health and had some challenges and it really kicked my butt into thinking that I needed to take pay, better care of this body of mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I started looking into strength training, not going to the gym, quote unquote, or doing, you know, some sort of insanity or P90X program, but actually like, you know, the type of training program that, you know, football players do or basketball players do, like strength training. And uh, I was able to hook up with a a guy here in in Salt Lake City who's, he's a former Oakland Raider. He's a football star for the University of Utah when when they went uh, undefeated back when Urban Meyer was the coach. And started going to his gym. It's called John Mads performance. And and he just really put, I I was put at that place. I was put into an environment where if I didn't show up, it was a big deal. So it was more pain to not get out of bed and have to deal with people calling me on my garbage for not showing up than it was to actually just go do it. And, uh, you know, this week it's funny because my, my workout partner is in Hawaii on a gig and, uh, I've been showing up by myself and it's been so challenging to maintain motivation and the polarity is actually beneficial to me because I'm looking at this going, I really appreciate this guy that works out with me every day that gets me out of bed, that, that helps me to do this because there, there's a, a mutual support together there that, that makes it easier. So when it comes to mindfulness or I- any goal, anything in life, I mean, basically if, if you've got somebody that's there, that's going to hold you accountable, that is a huge step in the right direction towards really succeeding. Right. I really believe in accountability partners. That's really worked for me. But I wonder what we should do if we have the opposite. What if you have someone that says, oh, why don't you just why don't you just sleep in a little bit and relax? You know, you really don't need to do that meditation thing or that mindfulness that you usually do. Just just relax and don't worry about it. What would you do then? That's uh that's one of the most disheartening challenges that uh, happen. It happens every day with people. They have unsupportive partners. They have unsupportive environments and circumstances and scenarios, and, and that happens all the time. And unfortunately, there's not some you know one answer fixes all type of thing to to have that happen. My my recommendation would be in that situation would be if you're in a situation where that's around you and you're aware that's around you, first of all, congratulations that you can see that, that, that it's the crab mentality. They keep trying to pull you back down into the bucket. Um, 
once, you know, from there, then it, it takes some hard decisions and uh, you've got to be willing to separate yourself from that. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I do on a regular basis, even, and this is something just small, this, this isn't even really an answer to your question, but it's just something that might be a catalyst to the answer. You know, I notice that uh, on Facebook, when I start seeing different things pop up on my feed that don't support the type of energy that I want to be surrounded with, I'll remove them. And so whether it be, you know, not following some account or, or unfriending somebody because they you know go down a road I don't enjoy, whatever it is, be willing to love yourself enough to recognize that that stuff matters and to separate yourself from it. And uh, there's there's it's actually a lot easier to to succeed even in the midst of a difficult choice like that that somebody might have to make. Like I said, it, it's different for every person, but um, you just got to make you got to make the hard choice and you got to act it out get out of there. Yeah, great. Um, Bryce, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a while, and I've seen that mindfulness can really make a big difference for anybody that's experiencing bullying. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness might have made a difference? You know, um, not not really a, a firsthand story, but just more of a contextual story about kind of the state of things when it comes to, you know, these it's not even kids that do bullying. There's cyberbullying. There's there's all sorts of that. That word bullying can attribute to a lot of abuse. That where somebody feels that their enter the blank is more important than mine, and they're going to force it upon me. And uh, you know, for for me, it's one of those things that one one of the most transformative books that I've ever read was a book called uh, Neil. It was by a guy named Neil Donald Walsh. It was called uh, Conversations with God. And he talks about how in that book, basically there's this change in communication that he encourages to happen, that basically words are the least effective form of communication. And that the way that we can really establish better communication between people is by owning the things that we say and to stop putting things on other people. As an example, one of the practices that I've tried to, to incorporate into my life is that I rarely say, you said this when I'm talking with somebody. I will say, I heard you say. And something just little like that triggers something in my mind where I'm realizing that I'm owning the communication. I'm not putting it on you, Bruce, that you told me something. I'm sharing with you how I heard it. And when it comes to bullying or imposition of ideas or anything like that, whether even physical violence and things that, that happen in that, that realm, all of it could be made so much better if individuals would be willing to own their experience, especially those kids, that those people. Children are part of it, obviously, but the, the bullies themselves. I've never met or seen anybody that's been in that sort of energy where bullying is something that they did easily that wasn't extremely troubled or unhappy or out of touch. And so the message of getting somebody to be in touch with themselves is incredibly important. So, you know, you look at the situation, whether it be, you know, domestic violence or bullying in schools or whatever it is, there's, there's a disconnect in communication, number one. And uh, there's number two, a, a, a need to change the environment. And so by, by being able and willing to do those little things, I think it's a start. It's such a, your question, honestly, Bruce, is really challenging because I, I don't, it, 
it's heartbreaking to see kind of how that has played out and even grown somewhat. But there's also been such blessings that have come through awareness that have allowed people to step out of abuse and become just such better people. And so um, I guess I'm more inclined to just preach to the individual and then watch that change the circumstances themselves as opposed to trying to address a symptom, which is what bullying really is, from the other side of it. Rice, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I guess I'll uh, I'll go back to, you know, T. Harv Eker. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, even though I had done that program by Bill Harris before being introduced to the guided meditations that he had at his deal, his event, um, his testimonial to it was so enriching and endorsing towards that need that I finally took it seriously. And then throughout there, there's been different people that have been a part of the whole process that have encouraged me and, and, and even been a part of communities where I've, you know, we, we hold each other accountable to a program or, you know, we're, I'm at day four of this meditation experience. Are you the same day? And so T Harv kind of started it for me really. And then there's been several individuals along the way that uh, have, have added to that, uh, that experience. Rice, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Mindfulness has affected my emotions and it allows me to, to observe them. And what I mean by that is whenever I feel a certain emotion, whether it be anger or frustration, or I, I guess I should qualify that any negative emotion, it's, it's more challenging to do this when the emotions are positive and supportive, but it's the same practice nonetheless. I'm able to kind of from a, a different vantage point within my mind, recognize that what it is and specifically with negative emotions, it helps to diffuse them. Perfect. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness and you've already mentioned this, maybe you have the same or a different one, what would it be? I'd say the science of getting rich by Wallace D Waddles. I actually um, give away a free copy of it at my website. It's such an impactful book because it talks about how your thoughts have, they put into this formless, the formless substance, the universe, you impress upon that. And then it begins things in motion. But in order to even do that, you've got to know, what your thoughts are doing and uh, you know, by, by being clear and it it just, even though it doesn't say, you know, sit for 20 minutes a day and and do this Sanskrit mantra or repeat this or whatever, it, it, it pokes the bear that we all have that our thoughts matter. What advice would you give a person who is new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Um, What I would do is I would, I would, uh, encourage them to check out one of these guided meditation programs. You know, you go to chopermeditation.com and get one of their 21 day deals and just try it. It's 15 to 20 minutes a day. Um, do it in the mornings, allow you be in a situation where you're quiet. And one thing afterwards is I was, re- I would also recommend this. This really helped me to accelerate how effective meditation was for me is journal right afterwards. Great tip. Great tip. Bryce, how can Mindful Tribe contact you and learn more about what you do? At I am Mr. Prescott is uh, Twitter and Instagram. Rulesofsuccess.com is for the podcast. And then Apply the Science would be if you're interested in that program. Well, I want to thank you so much, Bryce, for being part of the show today. It's really fascinating to talk with you and how you use mindfulness in your life. And uh, just thanks so much. Well, I appreciate your show, Bruce. Thanks for having me on and uh, best to you.
continued growth, my man. Okay, bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.